Good morning, guys. Welcome back to Those Murder Girls Podcast. This is Raina, and say hello to my lovely co-host, Marie. Hey, guys. Happy Friday. We made it through the week. We're into November. We're closing out 2020 here. <laughs> we hope you guys are ready for the weekend, and you're ready for today's new case. So today's case is graphic. If you are sensitive, beware. Marie, you want to start us off? As you do every week? The Carlsbad Police Department, the San Diego County DA office, and the San Diego County Crime Stoppers had worked the case of Jodine Serene for a long 11 years. Jodine, known as Jody to those that were close to her, she was a 39-year-old woman living in the beautiful coastal community of Carlsbad, California. It's just north of San Diego. Jodi was known for her beautiful smile. She had these sparkling eyes and this beautiful brown hair. She was living in a cozy, well-decorated condo of her own in Carlsbad for actually quite some time, having a mental health diagnosis. Now, even though she lived on her own, she still depended on her parents, Art and Luis, for rides, things. You know, Jodi, she didn't have a driver's license due to these health conditions, but she was still very high functioning. She was very active in the community of Carlsbad. She joined these organizations like the National Alliance for the Mentally Ill and Mariposa Clubhouse. It was an organization that assisted in rehabilitation for the mentally ill. Jodi was very well liked by those she worked alongside with and her neighbors said that she was very sweet and she was always very polite. She also loved animals. She was really good at floral design and she enjoyed biking. She loved to kayak and she enjoyed walks on the beach. So Jody was very close to her parents, and they spoke on the phone or saw each other pretty much on a daily basis. So it was very strange to them when on Valentine's Day in 2007, her parents could not get a hold of her and they didn't hear from her. So Jody's mom went all day that day without hearing from her, which wasn't too alarming, but the absence of her daughter's voice mixed with a sinking feeling at the pit of her stomach just wasn't sitting well with Louise. Ooh, Louise had that mother's intuition. Totally. And she wasn't able to focus on anything because, you know, she just kept thinking about her daughter. So she calls Jody's condo at about 10 o'clock at night and there was no answer. She just couldn't shake the feeling, so she tells her husband that they have to get in the car to make the drive over to Jody's just to check on her, just to be sure that she's okay. Art agrees with his wife, and they take the short drive over just to ease Lois's mind. So they pull up to the condo, and everything looks perfectly fine from outside. They walk up to her unit, and they ring the doorbell, and then they knock, and then they ring the doorbell again, and there's no answer, and there's no movement or noises coming from inside, but they can see that all the lights are on. So Art had a spare key of Jody's on his keychain, so he uses it to open the door, and he calls her name out, but he's yelling through the door because he could only open it so far because it had one of those secondary lock latches that you like lock from the inside on there. So he's calling Jody's name and he doesn't hear anything. And so finally, Art and Lois agree that they're going to force their way in and they're going to break the latch on the door. Yeah, I would do the same thing. I mean, especially if I can't get a hold of my kid that lives alone, you yeah. know, like. And it's locked from the inside, obviously, because you can't someone lock Someone had to be in there. And somebody has to be inside. Oh, so what they find is somewhat of a relief. The inside of Jody's condo is completely intact. There's no sign of Jody, but they do notice that there is a pair of men's shoes and they were near the front door. 
So Jody always, always asks people to take shoes off once they're inside of their home. Kind of like Raina. I don't know if you've ever, <laughs> if you guys ever get the beautiful chance to meet her, but shoes off at the door. Off at the right door. Right when you get it. Please. Thank you. <laughs> so Jody felt the same way about her house. So they make way into the home and start heading down the hall to Jody's bedroom. So they force the door open and Art walks into a completely mortifying scene, especially as a parent. It appears that Jody is having sex with a man in her bed. So Art scrambles. I mean, he scrambles to get out, you know, the doorway. He's just completely mortified. But he does ask the two in the bedroom, you know, put your clothes on and please come out to the kitchen. So because his daughter has these mental health disorders, he wants to make sure that this man that she's involved with, you know, wasn't taking advantage of her. Like they knew each other or was consensual. Yeah. So... Lois and Art pull out some chairs at the kitchen table and they're waiting for the couple to come out of their room while they're racking their brains for what they're going to say once they're all face to face because Art was just so embarrassed that he walked in on his daughter. So a few minutes go by, three minutes, five minutes, and then 10 minutes goes by and they're sitting at the table and just wondering what could possibly be taking them so long and they don't hear any talking or noises coming from the room. So they walk back over to the bedroom again and they kind of listen and they don't hear anything. So they open the door and they peek inside and what they seen was Jody lying in her bed and she wasn't moving. So they call out her name and there's no response and again, still no movement. And so they wait a second and then they realize that something is seriously wrong. Art and Lois walk up to Jody and they see that she has been beaten and strangled to death and raped and she's dead but she's not it's not like it just happened like she's cold to the touch Ugh. she has been dead for hours art pulls jody off of the bed in a desperate attempt to save his little girl's life attempting cpr Ugh, which just means the worst thing is that the guy that was in there was a necrophiliac a total necrophiliac so disturbing can you imagine as a parent to a walk in on that I don't want to imagine any of that. Fine, your it's got to be scarring no. for them for life. I can't even imagine. So the Carlsbad Police Department arrived on the scene, and they get Jody's parents' statements and begin looking for the suspect. And this is based off a very vague description that Art was actually able to give them. I mean, he obviously didn't get a clear look at the man. He was engaging in sexual activities with Jody in bed. The baffling part is that neither Art nor Luis saw Jody's attacker slash murderer leave the house. So where Jody's parents had been waiting for the couple, I guess they did not have visibility like towards the front door. So it's actually unclear if if or how the man fled the condo. You know what I mean? Like if they didn't see him go out the front door, but they didn't have a clear view. Did he go out the window? Was there a window in the bedroom? Yeah. All my research, it seems like it is unclear. There's some articles that say he went out the window, like it's definite. Mm -hmm. There's others that say that they don't know. So I don't know if there was like a garage door right. and a window, but everything, however he got out, he shut the window or he shut the door. He didn't leave anything. Nothing was clear. Yeah. Yeah. So DNA and sperm samples were collected at the scene and they were run through, they were run through CODIS. So at the time, there was no match. They couldn't find any match from anything that they collected at the scene. So they have no suspect. 
What also baffled the detectives and Jody's family as well was that whomever this man was had gained access to the home willingly because there was no sign of forced entry. And so it raises the question, did it, Jody know him? Yeah, and his shoes were by the door. So it's somebody that came in and she's like, hey, either take, hey, take off, off your shoes off or they knew. Or they knew, right. She let them in. Or was it somebody that knew that Jody had lived alone in the condo and knew of her possible, you know, mental disabilities that wanted to take advantage of her? That's a scary thought. I know. So the Carlsbad PD and the San Diego DA's office link up with a Virginia-based tech company called Paraben Nanolabs. And this company is funded by the U.S. Department of Defense. They developed this cutting-edge new forensic technology back during this time called phenotyping. The process utilizes unidentified DNA, such as the DNA that was left behind at Jody's, to build a profile based on a person's possible appearances and their ancestry. I think technology has come so far, like the kits that you can order in the mail to get, like see your ancestry and how all these you know, old cold cases are really getting solved now based off these systems. Or it's incredible. like victims where they have DNA and then they find them through like a relative. Yeah. I think it's crazy how far technology has come. So this system is able to create a snapshot of an unidentified individual, which can then be used to assist law enforcement in eliminating suspects and generate new leads, which can bring them closer to the suspect. So this is the same technology that actually assisted law enforcement in the hunt for the Golden State Killer. In Jody's case, a profile of her killer was produced by providing a snapshot of what the man's physical appearance in 2017 and his possible ancestry would be. The profile predicted that the killer had blonde or even a light brown hair. He had blue or green eyes and he had freckles on his face. So police drop a composite sketch and a $52,000 reward for any information on Jody's murder. And they were confident that they were on the right track to finding the killer. And the snapshot DNA profile had narrowed down their list of subjects like pretty substantially. The DA's office in Carlsbad PD continued to work diligently on eliminating suspects and comparing the DNA samples that they had on hand with those within different ancestry databases. And they come up with a match. A relative of the killer is identified. And by a process of elimination, they identify David Mabrito as their number one suspect. His DNA came back as a 1 in 64 quintillion match. No doubt it could be anybody else's DNA that was left behind at the scene. Wow. Nope. Not at all. Oh Nobody. It's my him. God. Yeah. yeah. There's no chance. It's, no. It's David. So David was a known meth addict and transient that frequented the North County Carlsbad area. Like we mentioned earlier, David's DNA was not in the system, which is why the case had went cold for so long. Now, this is super unfortunate because there is a possibility that David could have been caught years ago because he was questioned by police when he fit the description of a robbery suspect that had been in the area. He was never arrested or charged in this robbery, but his DNA samples were collected during questioning. Shortly after this questioning, the actual robber was caught, so David's DNA never had a chance to be entered into the system. Can you imagine that close? I know. You're that close that to him? That close. You don't even, yeah. Oh. I know. 
But so they did store the DNA. They never disposed of it. So once they have this match from the Ancestry website, they go into the storage. They pull David's DNA from years ago. They compare it. And of course, it links. So now they're ready to go out and hunt this guy down. But they are quickly informed that David had actually died years prior on January 30th, 2011 at the age of 42 by suicide. And it's so frustrating because her family is never, I mean, obviously, you know, they know now who committed this horrible crime, but they're never really going to see justice for Jody. They'll never see a trial. They'll never you know, get that sense yeah. of you got what you deserved. and I know. And David's family, too. I read in some spots that he lived locally. So we don't know. Like, did his family maybe support him while he was out on the streets? Right. Somehow, not knowing. Some way, not knowing. Can you imagine? No. No. It's so unfortunate. It's unfortunate for both, yeah, both families involved. I just, I can't imagine. In an article that the OSIDenews.com put out, the Serene family asked that the police department relay this heartfelt message to the public. It said, quote, Jodine taught us all with her special challenges, perseverance, and love of nature. There was joy in her laughter, love in her heart, and faith in her soul. The Serene family is forever grateful to the Carlsbad Police Department for their outstanding efforts in attaining justice through the resolution of this tragic case. End quote. Mm, that's so sad. Rest in peace, Jody. This is a sad story, and I, I just hope that her family does have some sort of closure. Yeah. And peace. Peace, definitely. It's very sad. So that's our story for today, you guys. Thank you for joining us on this Friday. We hope you all have a nice, safe weekend, and we'll see you all back here next Friday. Bye, Bye guys. guys.